the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Supreme Court votes 5-4 to four to keep Title 42 in effect for now. The administration needs to step up and take responsibility for its open border policies. Kevin McCarthy is running out of time to secure votes for the speakership. I think there's a concern as to whether these Republicans are able to rally around Kevin McCarthy. According to GasBuddy.com, gas prices could rise to $4 a gallon by Memorial Day. Some of that extremely cold weather has hampered refineries in some areas of the country. This is the Daybreak. Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, December 28th. I'm Tasha Stevens. On Tuesday, the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four that Title 42, the Trump-era legislation that would allow the U.S. government to expel illegal immigrants at the border over concerns of COVID-19, will remain in effect while legal challenges play out. A move that ensures that Border Patrol will still be able to turn away illegal immigrants at the southern border for at least the next few months. The Supreme Court is keeping the immigration policy known as Title 42 in place while it considers whether the Biden administration can end it. The pandemic era policy allows the U.S. government to prevent migrants from entering the United States and expels those who do cross in the name of coronavirus prevention. Tens of thousands of asylum seekers have been showing up at the border in recent weeks, anticipating that this policy would expire. Camilo Montoya Galvez, the immigration reporter for CBS, explains the ruling. This ruling will have major implications on the future of U.S. border policy. The Supreme Court has just now allowed U.S. border officials to continue expelling migrants to Mexico or to their home countries under the Title 42 pandemic-related measure, which was first enacted by the Trump administration at the outset of the COVID-19 pandemic in March of 2020. Under this public health law dating back to the late 19th century, U.S. border officials have been able to expel hundreds of thousands of migrants and asylum seekers on the grounds, Jeff, that their entry could contribute to the spread of COVID-19 here in the U.S. The Biden administration has really relied on this policy, Jeff, to manage unprecedented levels of migrant apprehensions along the U.S.-Mexico border, expelling a significant number of migrants under this policy over the past two years. But a federal court in Washington, D.C. declared in November that this policy was illegal and gave the Biden administration five weeks to end it. But now we have the Supreme Court intervening and suspending that lower court order for now until it hears, it hears rather the merits of this case next year. In a surprise move to some, conservative Justice Neil Gorsuch dissented, explaining that while he understands the concerns of border states, he says Title 42 was put in place because of COVID-19 and that, quote, the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis, end quote. With the help of Title 42, U.S. border agents have been able to turn away about 2 million illegal immigrants since March of 2020. Meanwhile, the southern border, people have been congregating in large groups, waiting for Title 42 to be dissolved in order to claim asylum. But as temperatures drop, the situation is growing worse. Many border towns are finding their resources stretched beyond their limits as shelters are overflowing. 
Some cities, like El Paso, Texas, have had to open convention centers in order to care for the illegal immigrants. Jonathan Lines, who is on the Yuma County, Arizona Board of Supervisors, says he is thankful for the ruling. I appreciate the ruling by the Supreme Court. It's the right ruling. We've declared a uh, state of emergency here for health concerns, and it continues to be a challenge not only for the community, but for our hospital specifically. Uh, and they have been overrun, and uh, we can't sustain these numbers over a long period of time. It is a temporary reprieve, but hopefully it stays in place for a very long period of time. Line says that the Biden administration needs to take responsibility for what their policies have brought to America's southern border. Yeah, it gives them the opportunity to be able to expel from specific countries right now. Um, and as Ali stated, um, many of those people will come back again and again and again. Uh, we have to fix this problem. It's not sustainable. The administration needs to step up and take responsibility for its open border policies and uh, reinstate the MPP protocols, which allow people to claim asylum in their others in their home countries. The Yuma County Board Supervisor says that as of right now, he hasn't heard of any plan that the Biden administration may have to deal with the border crisis should Title 42 be dissolved. Well, I have reached out to many people, including Senator Kelly and Senator Sinema's office to ask them what the federal response plan would be uh, because our small community doesn't necessarily have the resources nor the financial capability to take care of those people uh, who are coming across the border when they're released into the streets. Lines explains what he believes the Biden administration needs to do in order to curb the influx of illegal immigrants. It would be the administration that would have to reach out and make sure that uh, that was communicated uh, correctly Meanwhile, uh, they want to remove the barriers and the connex boxes. And behind me remain all of the sections of wall that were built under Trump, uh, ready to be constructed. We simply need the, the willingness of the administration to fulfill their commitment and secure this area. The White House has responded to the ruling and says it will comply with the order. A well-known former Iranian soccer player says his wife and daughter were prevented from leaving Iran. Daybreak Insider's Karen Shamas has more on the story. Ali Dayi, who has expressed support for anti-government protests in Iran, has said the flight they were on was diverted to Iran's Kish Island. Once there, they were questioned by authorities. Dayi has said his own passport was briefly confiscated after returning to the country earlier this year. A news agency known to be close to the Revolutionary Guard said a travel ban was imposed on Dayi's wife earlier this month because of her support for the protests. It said she tried to illegally bypass the ban and that her final destination was the US. I'm Karen Chamas. Heading into 2023, it's still unclear if House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has enough votes in the House to become Speaker due to a group of House Republicans who are openly opposing McCarthy, once again holding the gavel. With Republicans set to take control of the House in the next Congress, one big question for the party who will be next Speaker of the House? While the presumed frontrunner is House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, a number of Republicans are speaking out against the California congressman, among them Florida Representative Matt Gates. On Christmas Eve, Gates urged Ohio Republican Congressman Jim Jordan to enter the race for Speaker, tweeting, All I want for Christmas is for Jim Jordan to realize he should be Speaker of the House. At least five House Republicans have explicitly said or strongly indicated that they will not vote for McCarthy to be speaker. And several others have withheld support for him as they push for commitments on governing priorities and rules changes that would empower individual members.
One of those House members is Matt Rosendella, Montana. He explains why he and others are withholding their support from McCarthy. We've got to look back about four months, which is when we started having this conversation with Kevin. It's not like he was blindsided. There was a bunch of the members that got together and said, Kevin, we need to empower all members of Congress to represent their districts equally and individually. And right now, Congress is broke. We've heard about it for 15 years, and no one is willing to step up and make the changes to restore regular order to Congress. And so we put in writing uh, and distributed that to Kevin four months ago. Unfortunately, he didn't want to have a conversation with us at that time. He thought he was going to have 250 members in uh, the Republican conference, and he didn't think he needed to have this conversation. Right now, there's a system in place, Will, that allows the Speaker and nine members of the Rules Committee to make all decisions about legislation, and everyone else is forced to just vote yes or no on it. Rosendell also says that their demands ensure that all members of Congress are empowered to represent their constituents equally. And we requested to have single subject legislation. We requested for what they call an open rule process, which would allow every single member of Congress to be able to propose amendments on the floor as long as they were germane to that uh, legislation. And basically, it was going to help us to eliminate 2,000 page bills that no one was able to read that were trillions of dollars worth of spending. And yes, the motion to vacate would not must be a part of that. And it's interesting that it was in place for 200 years, Will, 200 years. And Nancy Pelosi uh, was the one who got rid of that. Uh, and it's basically to keep a check on the speaker. And it's because we have this terrible consolidation of power. Yeah. And all we're trying to do is to, re-empower the members of Congress to represent their constituents equally. For his part, McCarthy has warned Republicans that their thin majority means that they must be united if they want to be a check on the Biden administration's agenda. This is very fragile that we are the only stopgap for this Biden administration. And if we don't do this right, the Democrats can take the majority. If we play games on the floor, the Democrats can end up picking who the speaker is. We need to do this for the American people. We either are successful together or we will fail individually and we will not be given the possibility or the opportunity to be in the majority again. While McCarthy needs 218 votes, Republicans, with their thin majority of 222 to 218 seats, means that the presumptive House Speaker needs every vote he can get. McCarthy knows this and has been mounting a forceful campaign to convince his critics that he is the best man for the job. Julia Manchester, the political reporter for The Hill, joins News Nation and says that the wedge that is growing between House Republicans may impact their efforts to govern once they take control of the House. Right now, I think it is a concern um, in that going forward, if McCarthy is presumably elected speaker and he does appear to have enough votes, uh, whether it's narrowly or by a, a landslide, he does appear to have th- those votes. I think there's a concern as to whether these Republicans are able to to rally around Kevin McCarthy in order to pass through various pieces of legislation to conduct oversight and really to conduct business of um, the House Republican Caucus. Look, we've already started to see these divides emerging within the House GOP Caucus. I mean, you have people like Matt Gates very much going up against Kevin McCarthy and conservatives, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, two very conservative Congresswomen, uh, parting ways 
over this speaker's race. So clearly there's a lot of divide and it could affect the agenda going forward. And I think that's a concern not only for the establishment House Republicans, but also for Senate Republicans, because we know that a lot of these same conservative House Republicans have spoken out against Senate uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell as well. So it definitely puts the House Republican establishment on notice. Manchester explains why it's so vital for McCarthy to receive a clear mandate from Republicans in the House. It depends how much uh, support uh, people like Matt Gates can rally uh, can, can rally in the speaker's race, and I think it depends on what who who is ultimately uh, nominated to challenge McCarthy. Someone like Jim Jordan, someone who has been a very public face um, in the House Republican Caucus, someone who has conducted a number of oversight uh, hearings and uh, sat on a number of those committees. I think someone like Jim Jordan could potentially rally that support. But at the same time, though, I think right now you're going to see a lot of internal dyna- uh, politics going on behind the scene. I'm sure Kevin McCarthy will be trying to very much um, shore up that support so he has a clear mandate going into this Congress. If he wins narrowly, he doesn't have a mandate and it's not necessarily a strong win it c- and it could weaken him going forward. A New York congressman-elect says he wasn't telling the truth about his career and college achievements. Daybreak Insider's Capitol Hill correspondent Bernie Bennett has the story. New York Republican congressman-elect George Santos admitted Monday that he lied about his job experience and college education during his successful campaign for a seat in the U.S. House. The Queens resident had said that he attained a degree from Baruch College in New York, but the school said that couldn't be confirmed. On Monday, Santos acknowledged, quote, I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. Santos had also said he worked for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, but neither company could find any records verifying that. Bernie Bennett reporting. According to GasBuddy.com, while gas prices will probably remain cheaper overall next year, Prices could still grow above $4 per gallon as soon as May due to problems with oil refineries in the United States. While gas prices usually rise heading into summer due to refineries switching over to summer-grade gasoline, GasBuddy.com's Patrick DeHaan says that aging refineries, along with oil companies feeling pressure from the Biden administration, may cause prices to spike in the future. As we close out the year, some of that extremely cold weather has hampered refineries in some areas of the country where they were affected, the Great Lakes, the Plain States, into Texas as well. That's going to be a continuing model going into the new year, is less the price of oil, but more what's going on at the nation's refinery. So look for that to continue into next year. That could be more problematic in the spring when refineries begin their seasonal turnarounds and we start to switch over to more expensive summer gasoline. DeHaan explains that the problem with a lot of refineries in the U.S. is simply that some of the largest in the country are over 100 years old. Well, as we've seen in 2022, there has been very little, basically no breathing room, no margin for error. And to your point, the average age of these facilities, Brian, is tremendous. If these were people, they'd be well taking Centrum Silver by now. Some of these facilities over 100 years old. So this is going to be problematic in the year ahead. DeHaan goes on to say that in the years ahead, oil will still reign supreme. I, I think it will probably still be up there. And look at what every, everything going on globally right now with with even Europe, uh, you know, going back temporarily to things like coal, internal combustion engine. A lump of coal, Brian, would have probably been a great Christmas gift this year in Europe. And I think that's what our future here over the next five to 10 years looks like is all this talk about EVs, the infrastructure isn't there, renewables, 
there's just no way to replace some of the uh, some of the uh, generation by nuclear. Uh, by oil, by natural gas. Gas Buddy's forecast also calls for the daily national average to top out as high as four twenty-five a gallon in August, before dropping towards three dollars a gallon by the end of the year. The U.S. Department of Transportation says it will look into flight cancellations by Southwest Airlines. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House takes a look at the turbulence surrounding the airline company. The cancellations have left travelers stranded at airports across the country amid an intense winter storm that's killed dozens of people. Many airlines were forced to cancel flights due to the weather, but Southwest was by far the most affected. According to the tracking website FlightAware, about 4,000 domestic U.S. flights were canceled Monday, with some 2,900 of those being Southwest's. The attempted murder of a restaurant worker has prompted a bail reform group to close up shop in California. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason has the details on the story. The bail project is being sued after springing a career criminal from jail who, shortly thereafter, shot a restaurant server 11 times. The victim survived the attack, which took place a year ago. The New York Post, quoting News 8 Now, reports a 24-year-old Rashawn Gaston Anderson was convicted of several charges, including attempted robbery with a deadly weapon and was sentenced to 18 years in prison. The waiter is suing the bail project for its role in releasing Gaston Anderson. Rich Thomason reporting. And finally, Shakira Autry is being praised as a hero and a true angel for saving the life of a mentally disabled man who became lost in the deadly blizzard in Buffalo, New York at Christmas. The mother of three says she heard cries for help coming from outside her home on Christmas Eve. When she opened the door, she found 64-year-old Joe White, who was caught in a snowbank. He was being hammered by high winds and snow, and he was struggling to stand. In a Facebook Live video, Autry says that her boyfriend, Trent, picked up Mr. White and brought him inside. She then had to cut off Mr. White's socks because they were frozen to his legs, and she had to use a hairdryer to thaw his frozen pants. After the couple fed him and tried to treat his hands for frostbite, it became apparent that his condition required serious medical help. But with Buffalo's streets paralyzed under 50 inches of snow, emergency vehicles were not able to reach Autry's home. So she took to Facebook Live again to plead for help from the community in order to help get Mr. White to the hospital. I currently have an older 64-year-old white man in my house. Um, I found him yesterday. I heard him screaming for help. Um, on my street, I ended up looking out the window. When I looked out the window, he was getting blowed up and down the street. It was out of control. I have did everything I possibly can do. His hands um, had frost. Um, his hands had big ice uh, balls on it. And with him having those ice balls on his hand, we brought him in my house. My boyfriend brought him. He carried him from uh, where I originally seen him at. And he's been here. I've literally called everybody up under the sun. My kids is here. My kids are scared. He is scared. He got away from his um, his home that he, he lives in a group home, he told me. I've called everybody. I'm asking for help from whoever. This man needs serious help. In her Facebook Live, Audrey says that she's afraid that if Mr. White doesn't get help, he'll die. We got to get some help. He has gangrene on his hands. I'm gonna, he's going to lose his fingers. He's going to lose his fingers. I, I, I don't know what to do. Y'all need to share this. I've had this man. There's nothing more I can do. Nothing more that I can do for him. I have fed him. 
him. I have bathed him. I tried to, I, I cut the bag. He had a bag when, when, when my boyfriend found him. He had a bag. He had this top's bag, this bag on, in, on his hands. It were frozen to his hands. Okay. I cut it off. After I cut it off, when I, when I cut it off his hands, I turned around and I had to blow dry the ice off of him because of how bad his hands was. Nobody has been, I've called the National Guard. I have called uh, 911. I've called uh, everybody. They just keep telling me I'm on a list. I don't want to be on no list. I don't care about nothing else. This man is not about to die. She begged for people to come to her home and help her dig her car out so they could take him to the hospital. You can't put him in the Uber. The Uber ain't going to work. The Uber lift ain't none of that going to happen. Everybody out here charging $100, we don't need that. I just need about 10 people that can carry him. Y'all can help me dig out my, my, my pickup truck. And guess what? We could throw him on a flatbed and we can go from there. We got to figure something out. As a community, somebody going to have to help somebody do something. We got to figure this out as a community. Is I can't do no more. I just can't have this man uh, uh, lose his life in my house. I have did everything that I can do. This man needs help. I'm, I'm going to show y'all these hands again so y'all can understand. And I'm, I'm trying, y'all. I'm, I'm trying. Like, I'm, I'm trying. He's in pain. He's in pain. Look at this, y'all. This man going to lose his fingers. Thankfully, a group of residents saw her now viral video and arrived at her home, plowing the snow and carrying Mr. White to her car. She rode along in order to keep him calm on their trip to the hospital. Autry has since been able to get in contact with Mr. White's family, who have expressed immense gratitude. According to reports, Mr. White is in good spirits, and while he is being treated for severe frostbite, worst-case scenario, they are looking at amputation of some fingers. But doctors say if it were not for the kindness of Autry, Mr. White would have lost his life. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and Townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Tasha Stevens. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.